Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry. So today's episode is really special and close to my heart. My friend Nancy Williams, she and I ran into one another in a coffee shop recently, and I hadn't talked to her in a couple of years probably, and we were catching up for a few minutes. Now, this was coffee shop prior to uh, shelter-in-place orders, (laughs) I might add, Um, but we were talking, and she was telling me, she was catching me up on everything that she was doing, and she's a practicing attorney, and now she's uh, she has an invention that she's made, and it's incredible. She'll talk about that towards the end of the episode. But the reason that today's episode is really special to me is because I have a heart full of compassion uh, for children and for adults, and um, mostly for children. Now, You might wonder, why is she speaking to adults then? Well, because adults are the ones that influence the children, right? And so if we can speak truth to your heart, then you can take that and transfer that to the children in your life. But I often find myself driving by um, when school was in session, once again, my how life has changed. And I would see kids waiting at the bus stop and I, I would just pray for them, just pray that they would be safe, that they would have a good day, that they would know how loved they are, that they would know how valuable and incredible they are. And, you know, fast forward in my professional career from working with kids one-on-one to then moving to working with adults because they were the influencers and moving into the jail system to work with them, I uh, quickly began to think uh, with such heartbreak that the kids that we feel sorry for today are the adults that we don't like tomorrow. And I thought just how absurd and odd that is and how we can intervene, how we can make a difference in our own corner of the world. And so I was so thankful to run into my friend Nancy. And uh, Nancy grew up in the foster care system. She spent most of her childhood all the way until age 21 from about age six in the foster care system. And so she's got a firsthand account of what that's like going in and out of different placements, what it's like to not feel safe, what it's like to feel like you're always auditioning. And she also has a sweeping success story uh, that many foster care children do not have to share, do not have to tell with her becoming a successful practicing family law attorney and this most recent invention that she will share with you about at the end of the episode. But I do invite you to um, really perk your ears up here and think about how you can influence the children in your life. You know, maybe you don't even have children, but there are children in your life that you can influence. There is a message here in this story. And honestly, I think it's entirely fitting for Easter Sunday. Happy Easter, by the way, my friends. I think it's entirely fitting that we are sharing this message today because it is a resurrection story of the likes. It is a resurrection of a child who may be told that they mean nothing, that they are nothing. They don't have to be told that blatantly, as you'll hear in our conversation. Those are messages that are given, particularly to children in the foster care system who have been ripped from their homes, and some, rightfully so, some do not want to go back. You'll hear from Nancy more about that, because they want to be in a safe place, right? And you'll hear about her own personal story of resurrection and discovering who she is and forging a path forward. In fact, she tells us at the end, the one truth she wants us to remember is that it's always important to move forward. So without further ado, happy Easter, my friends, and enjoy my conversation with Nancy Williams. Zoom Zoom has become like the most popular thing in the world. Zoom has? Oh my God. People used to think I was insane because I was like, (laughs) with attorneys, it's so hard to get attorneys together, right? If you're in Winchester, Harrisonburg, whatever, I'm like, just get on Zoom. Right. like, what? What are you trying to, what? And I was like, just get on Zoom. And so I would have meetings, like if I'm guardian Lightum, I have meetings with opposing all the council on Zoom. Yeah. Just get on it, click on the, you know, thing, and of course, half of them be like, I only have audio to work, you know, whatever. I, right. <laughs> but since the zombie apocalypse, everybody's like, oh, we're Zooming, we're, we're Zooming. Zoom- yeah, we're Zooming, like, we're FaceTiming, we're doing... Oh my well, God, girl. And I don't, like, apparently we're ahead of our time because, you know, I do a little bit, like, a handful of coaching on the side. Right. 
and I've announced for the last two years that it's all video coaching. Like that's what I do. Right. Yeah. I don't need to meet with you in person. We can see each exactly. other. I we swear, can get the like, body language. You should go to video, like FaceTime. Totally. Like, why do I need to come in here? Like, I get that it's a comfortable environment, but my environment is comfortable. Like, right. I need you to give me advice and to right. tell that. Right. I don't how need much to like, hug and kiss you. I don't hug and kiss a therapist. Let's exactly. Talk. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, how much more likely are you going to be to be honest if you're in your own environment where you feel the most comfortable, where exactly. you feel the most safe, where you know exactly who's outside the room, you know who's yeah. not outside the room? Or I, mean, I can isolate myself yeah. with my too. Like I swear, teens, that there's this missing gap age group of like 18 or really 14 to 24. Okay. And they they need therapy, but they, they are a different generation. They're a generation that's online. That's yeah. 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 They, they FaceTime, they Snapchat. So this whole idea of going to an office and sitting there is so foreign to these kids. Now. And like, nobody's caught up to them. I'm like, you have to do like, you have to start a therapy right. that revolves around that comes to them that right. where they're at. Like this is yeah. your therapy and this is your room. This is your FaceTime room. And yeah. therapy, you know, and it'd be, it'd be cheaper for them and their parents would be more likely to pay for it. Right. And the parents don't have less to drive time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Parents, you know, like the parents at work, you can do, and I was like, in schools, you could set up a terminal where the kid could go and get their therapy. Right. Like, okay. It's crisis time. The kid's wilding out in class. Okay. <laughs> let's send them to the therapy terminal, you know, like <laughs> therapy terminal. So, you know, now they have like texting therapy. So I don't, I don't that know if you've shit. seen this. Oh. They've got, that's, it's okay. That They've got like talk. Shit. I tried it. Tried yeah. It. Oh, oh, really? Shit, girl. Oh, I tried it. Tried it. Talk space. Yeah. yeah. I'm not talk. recommending. So oh, wait, I'm wait, in wait. therapy. Tell us, more. Tell us more because I've oh, never met anybody who's tried it. I've been in therapy for like years, it. right? I go, yeah. to, I go to a psychiatrist because, you know, depression. Yeah. They all, it's so funny because I had to get a new shrink because uh, the other one <laughs> shut down our practice. So I got a new shrink and I'm like. We're dropping like flies. Right. And I'm like, da, 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 da. and she's like, yeah, it's your childhood. I'm like, no shit. Like, I'm, okay. Again, like I got it. She goes, yeah, you're just going to have to be like medicated forever. I was like, okay, okay. I know that. Let's move on. I need the, <laughs> let's just get the refill here, lady. I'm fine. But, um, and I don't care. I talk about depression all the time, but, um, but then, so it's cut it, therapy. Like your depression always works really well. Not depression works well. But treatment for it works well if you have both of those angles. Like, yeah, for sure. Medication, okay. But if you also have like talk therapy with right. it, right? I used to like poo poo talk therapy all the time. But if you, but it's a matter of finding the right therapist, right? That's that, right. That gives yeah. you the tips, tricks. Yeah. I call like tips and tricks to like yeah. live by. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, times are really crap right now. Here's what's going on, and then they tell you what to do. And right. you're like, okay, I'm implementing this. Yeah. And so I tried talk therapy. I was like, oh, I don't need like this hardcore. I can like try in this. person you know? oh, every no week. Yeah. So I would text and like they sent me all these different people. And this is younger out of Texas. And I said, I kind of don't want anybody really young because I'm 40. And yeah. I don't want some like 20 some year old therapist. <laughs> right. Like, girl, do I have a story for you? You know? <laughs> you know? So I was like, give me somebody a little older, a little more seasoned. You know? Right, right. Whatever, whatever you want to say, not senior. So. <laughs> But, um, so then, of course, I get this younger girl, like, she was, I noticed in your profile you wanted somebody older. I was like, no, nah, you're fine, you know, because you, you see all, all their answers. I'm like, you're all good. It's fine. Right. I'll, I'll try it. And so I would, like, write all this stuff. I'd be like, okay, here's what I'm struggling with now. And you try to give them a little bit of background because, of course, it's a new therapist. They don't know you. Right, right. right. The background. Give him a little therapy. <laughs> give him a little background and say so you write this like I swear to God it was like five paragraphs, and then like a day later you get oh interesting. No, like are you effing kidding me right now? <laughs> no, like, she'd be like so what about blah blah blah, like one sent one sentence response, which would then prompt me to write ten more paragraphs. Right, right, right. Like, yeah. Okay, but. It sounds like they're not vetted very well. It's like, it's like, I know where all this comes from. I'm self-aware enough to tell you what my problem is. Yeah. Not that I don't know my problem. It's just, I need help, you know, with coping. Right. And some outside perspective. Yeah. You know, 
something yeah. that, like not your girlfriend, but a little more professional. And I'm telling you, I never got more than an interesting, um, okay. Wow. Right. Wow. <laughs> oh, that must have been hard. Okay. Really? Right. Let's get past that. Yeah. Okay. We're open for all Let's get past it. I'm past that. I've been in therapy for two years. So let's move it on. So it just like never got anywhere. And I yeah. was like, you are bullshitting me. And it was not that much cheaper yeah. than individual therapy. So right. I was like, no, I'm not saving any money here because okay. it's a trick. So if you want to text and email, it's one price. But if you want any FaceTiming, then the price goes way up. Oh. That's where they get you. They like sink you in with the like with right. the thing and the whatever, yeah. and there's no immediate response ever. Even if you're, even if it says your therapist is still online, you don't no get response. it. Hell yeah. no, you get a response like five days later. That's they say they online two, three times a day, and I, and so I'll tell you one thing. I got way more response when I said cancel my subscription. Oh, girl, I got. Oh, yeah. Right away. You have a new message. You have a new message. You have a new message. I was like, I I ain't even doing all this. No, there's no. So, okay, this is a really fascinating take because when I, a a couple of years ago, I had actually explored, I'd looked at Talkspace and I thought about being a provider on it. And then I was like, you know what? No, like I need to have relationships on my terms. And I don't think that this is going to facilitate the type of relationship that I think is necessary for therapeutic growth. So it's good to hear that confirmation. I think it's got to be more, it's got to be away from the texting. It's got to be yeah. more like, this is my session in FaceTime. Right, like, right, right. It has to be, I'm sending yeah. you a link at 10 o'clock. Is right. Our, We're going to pop on. It's dedicated yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you're looking at me. I'm right. Looking- and these kids are used to, and young adults are used to looking at people like this. That's right. Like, That's we right. were not so used to looking at people on, like you can tell, I don't know if you ever watched 90 Day Fiance, like Darcy, <laughs> she's like always like fixing her hair in it. Oh, really? Like, we're not used to like <laughs> looking at people and having conversations on video yeah. chats. So we're always like just looking at ourselves. Well, I don't teens, know. They're just like, <laughs> you know. If you remember, like I, I can recall as a child, now I'm, um, but you're, you said you're 40, so I'm about yeah. five, five years older than you. But I recall as a child, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's the wave. Video calls would be like the wave of the future. Are like, we like Star Trek? <laughs> like, are we up in Star Trek right now? Are we in the Jetsons? What? Where are you? <laughs> yes. It is. Like my sister will FaceTime me from Seattle. It's like, we are in the Jetsons right now. Right. Where is my flying car? Meet George Jetson. That's awesome. So, hey, question for you. When I think of you, Nancy, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show, and I don't know that I've ever told you this in person, but um, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show is because when I think of you, I think of grit and perseverance, and I think about what are the odds? That's what I and I don't go in China shop. Like, <laughs> okay. like Ferdinand, right? Well, okay, yeah. I don't Ferdinand. know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But I think I, that's what I think of when I think of you. And um, so, like, a lot of grit. yeah, a lot of grit. Well, okay, so here, here's Scrappy. my belief. Well, scrappy. <laughs> <laughs> I, hear, I think references. this whole time. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you mentioned though, when you were talking about talk space and just being in therapy in general, and that it, it all stems from your childhood and you know this and blah, blah, blah. But, um, and I believe about grit that everybody has it. Like, everybody can have it. Everybody I, can have it. I think we just don't all access it. Like, exactly. Right. I agree. Yeah. So why do you like, was there like an aha moment in your life or a catalyst in your life that made you access your grit? Oh yeah, girl. Well, it's a little personal, so hopefully you'll be fine with the story, but. Bring it. That's what the show is about. We have been out of foster care a couple times and as, as it is nowadays, as it was then, the goal is to return you to your parents. We got returned to our mother. We've had. Now who's um, we, Nancy? Me and my sister. So I have one sister, biological, full biological sister that grew up. We, we luckily were together the whole time. Okay. Our whole childhood, which is very rare. So thank God. But, um, so we have been placed back with mom and, the DSS thought she was doing better and she wasn't. 
Mm. There's a lot of ways to band-aid stuff and make it look like you're doing great. Sure. She so she was married to this new man, this other Mexican man. My dad's Mexican, but she was married to a new Mexican guy, and he was very violent. Mm. So my mom always lived on the system. It was always food stamps. It was always government assistance. And, mm-hmm. and it took a lot of, to me, observing as I was about nine or 10, it looked like it took a lot of effort to do that. Um, oh, wow. So always like, I can't work because then I don't get this and I don't get that. It's ironic because I work with parents now when I do DSS yeah. cases that are like, well, I can't go get this job. I'll lose my assistance. Right. It's just asinine, right? So yeah, so, that's, um, a, that's a brilliant perspective. Takes a lot of work. Even as a yeah. young child, you thought that? So as a young child, I just thought, look at how much effort it takes you to stay on government assistance. Go yeah. for the burger. Yeah. So there was this one particular time, and you talk about like, aha moment. There was one yeah. particular time where they were fighting and he was, he was beating on her and I got in the closet. So that we had this room and I went in the closet and this tiny little closet and I had this Bible. Um, and so I got the Bible out and just started reading the Bible, like Jesus stories and started reading it. And um, one, that's when I realized I was probably religious and was always going to be religious mm-hmm. because of the idea that there had to be something bigger, a higher yeah. power yeah. because has there, to be. there had to be something to save yeah. me, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the second thing was the aha moment was I am never going to live like this. Mm. I just thought to myself, there is no way I'm ever living like this. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I can't you struggle. I was like nine, I would say nine or ten. So thinking about like, that big picture stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, I was just like, I was it was exhausting. Yeah, and, and it, you you do work with a lot of kids when they're younger that see the same thing. How exhausting it is! It's yeah. exhausting to live in poverty. It's always mm-hmm. where the next meal comes from, where mm-hmm. the next this comes from, where the next that comes from. So I was like, this is exhausting. I'm never gonna live like this, and I'm just never gonna like have this kind of life. Yeah. And so then my life was just about how to not live like that. Yeah. How to, you know, the biggest thing in college was just, what do I do for a living where I don't have to live like that ever? Again? So was it like anything but that? Is yeah. That, yeah. It was okay. pretty much like survival. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to survive no matter what to not live like that. Yeah. And I think a lot of kids have that grit, you know, yeah. that, that grow up like that or poverty or domestic violence living. Yeah. And I think. There's there's a switch that comes though. Like as they get older and it's all they've ever seen and it's all they've ever known, they start to become indoctrinated. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, I would say about twelve, like the kids I've worked with, like ten, well, like maybe twelve, thirteen, they give up. They're yeah. like, oh, well, this is all I've ever known. This is what it's and there's be. a little bit if you do turn away from that life, and I've definitely gotten this throughout my years, there's a little bit like you think you're better than me, you think uh, you're better than us. And so there's that pool of yeah. need to be like come us. Come back to us, to, yeah. Right, come stay at this level. Yeah. And you really do have to reject that level to live anywhere else. And I'm Which is kids, rejecting belonging. Right. Yeah. Right. It's all you belong to. Yeah. You do have to reject everything you've known to then not live like that. But I tell kids, if you don't reject it and you don't do something better, how are you ever going to be at a position to help? Yeah. At the yeah. same time, like you can't reach back and help when you've done no better. Yeah. So. Wow. Let me, let me ask you a question, Nancy, because a, a couple of things come to mind. One, have you, and I don't even know if you watch stuff like this since you like lived it, but um, there's a Netflix documentary series, um, The Trials of. Gabriel Fernandez. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. So I watched that and when I don't know why I watch it because all it does is just breaks my heart and makes me angry. Like that's all it does. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and I think to myself and, and I'll share with you a second story, but I want to get your, per, an insider's perspective on it. So I think to myself, a child that grows up in that, I almost believe, and this is probably a faulty belief, but I almost believe like, Unless, you know, without miraculous divine intervention, I don't see how that kid has a chance as an adult. Like, I I really don't. 
I, I often say like the kids we feel sorry for now are the adults that we end up like hating <laughs> because, yeah. right. And so then that that's the second piece of that before I ask you for your perspective. So I did, you know, classes in the, in our tri-county jail here and, um, worked with women and men. And, um, I, we had some deep conversations, but, you know, I, I remember one of the gentlemen and several different inmates said it in the, not necessarily in this way, but said something similar that he said, I get it, Dr. Sherry, but what about, what if you've always been told, you know, basically by the people who love you, what if you've always been told that this is a essentially as good as it gets and nothing will ever change in your life. What if you've always been told that? And so again, that kind of confirmed this belief that I have, like, what chance do people have? And so I look at somebody like you and I'm like, I guess that's a question for you. What chance do people have? So that's tough because I was definitely told that too. So I remember the last, the, the home, the home before the last foster home we were at was a farm and we were emergency removed from there. So the, the moment we arrived, so a lot of kids that experience high trauma, as you know, have have incredible intuitive instincts. Yeah. People and danger and, and all yeah. that because we've lived it, right? So we arrived there and I, the day one we arrived, I'm like, nope. And oh, wow. look at me like, what? I'm like, nope, this is not okay. This is not an okay situation. I don't like it here. I want to leave. This is This is not good. I'm just doing like the mathematical additions. Like, yeah. oh, this doesn't work. Why do you want these kids? And it was very weird. So somehow we came out of the foster care system. Like we were there and they were getting checks for us, but we didn't have a social worker. We didn't have anybody checking on us. So of course I was right. They were abusive. They were bad. They were wow. very bad people. So we had to get emergency removed. And I remember like the last mm. single lady, the mom said to me, and she's like, you know, you're not going to make it if you leave here. And I looked back at that woman, talk about bull in a china shop. <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, that's a chance I'm going to have to take. There you go. I will see you later. Right. <laughs> so um, wow. you get told that you don't get, you don't just get directly told that in your own life. You get told that everywhere you go to in public. Yeah. yeah. So like when we would go to a new school, everybody knew we were foster kids. I'll, I'll never forget one of the judges, I was GAL for some foster kids and one of the judges they said, what's the update? And they said, well, there was a little bit of snafu, you know, kids making fun of them because they were foster kids. And the judge was like, how would they know they're foster kids? I was like, well, I didn't get around advertising. I was a foster kid, but everybody knew. Day one of school, everybody knew you were a foster kid. How do, how do people know? How do they know? How do people know? Well, you don't have the stories. You, you didn't yeah. go anywhere for the summer. You moved new families. Yeah. You came to school with like new kids that aren't your siblings. Mm. Um, cause those siblings are known in the school. The teachers all know that you're a foster kid and right. kind of work amongst themselves and kids overhear it. And um, then people treat you, especially adults, they treat you differently. Oh, they think you're yeah. stupid. Yeah. They automatically you're not smart. You're a foster wow. kid. Oh, you can't do this math. You can't do, you can't read. You can't, you know, like there's all these assumptions that are made about. Oh, oh my gosh. Kids. I cannot wait till we get to the rest of this interview because talking yeah. about like, you're not smart. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like you're brilliant. So you okay, get go told, ahead. Not just by your own family that maybe it's, it's a domestic violence situation, but you get told outwardly by public too. Right. So you, you have it from all angles, just crushing down on you that, but how, how do they make it? I think that you, you have to aspire to something else. Like you have to see a point of light outside of this hell. But like you know you what? That's so, it's so not um, developmentally congruent. Kids no. do not think about what's outside. They think about what's in front of them. Right. So, so to thank God, though, I, I always thank God that I stumbled upon this kid's Bible and yeah. that uh, Christmases, like our Christmas, I tell my kids for several Christmases, we didn't know Santa. We didn't have a tree. We didn't have right. presents. We went to this church, we got a bag and we went home and that wow. was it. And I, so I thought Christmas was that. And and thank God it was at a church. So thank God my mom knew just a bit enough to like, right. like they were going to church a couple of times right. because then it gave you an outside something. something. And yep. like doctors say, you don't have an outside perspective until you're about eight. Right. Yeah. So thank God you start to get this outside perspective yeah. and you start to see other people, other students in school yeah. that don't live like you. Yeah. you. See other students that went on summer break to the beach or went on a cruise or whatever. And you say, oh, that's interesting. 
And very occasionally I would get invited to a sleepover to what I considered a wealthy friend's house because, oh, you have a whole house and a mom and a dad and wow, like your own bedroom and, you know, you don't live in an apartment. And so it was just kind of interesting to get this outside perspective, but it is, it's drowning. Mm -hmm. It's drowning. And Gabriel Fernandez, that really highlights the fact that the system doesn't care. They don't get it. And that's their job is to, and especially Virginia is the worst. It is really the worst. Their job is to make sure you're safe. Right. So whenever you say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that? They'll fall back on, well, my job is only to keep you safe. And so that's probably a loose definition, right? Very loose definition. And they fall back on it and they, it changes depending on the case you're on. Right. Mm -hmm. So Gabriel Fernandez well, was he safe or, or whatever? Right. It's that idea of, well, he wasn't safe until he really wasn't safe. And he was right. dead. <laughs> and um, he was dead. Yeah. At that point. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I would go to school, you know, the stepdad would beat on us and do what nobody cared. Right. Nobody, nobody wants to get involved. And you have a couple marks. Oh, well, they don't, you know, they want to counsel your mother. They want to keep you home. They want to do whatever. I was the kid when the when the foster worker showed up, I would jump in the car, and be like, let's go. Wow. Because I knew where I was was bad. I knew it was bad. Ugh. I knew I didn't need to be there. Um, kids have an innate sense of danger, yeah, but yeah. nobody listens to them. So but- how is that like a fault of the overworking or of the system, or is that the fault of a, a ill-conceived system? It's an ill con- it's a bullshit message of yeah. You need, you need to be with your family. You need to be with your family. And that's just bull. If your yeah. family is broken and your mother yeah. is broken, why do you need to stay there? Right. And so to me, it was always this idea of it's our system in Virginia is built to return home, return home, return home. Yeah. And kids will, as they're older, they will go back to origination and to their biological, but yeah. it doesn't. So they, they took that too far. They said, oh, well, kids, after they turn 18, they return home. So therefore, we need to, the goal needs to be return home all the time. Yeah. But they took it too far. The goal doesn't need to be return home if that's not what's best for the sure. child. It's not sure. child-centric. They made it parent-centric. Parents, yep, yep. So it is return the child to the parent, return the child to the parent without right. looking at the child. Right. There's no foster care case that says, how is this child doing? I could have stood there and been like, I want to stay in foster care and I wouldn't have been allowed to. That's how the system's built. I could say, I don't want to go home. I want to stay here. I'm fine here. No, the goal's return. It doesn't matter. Your mom has checked the boxes. Your mom has pretended to have a job. So your whole life, you're not listened to. No, you're never listened. You don't even attend the hearings. Like I probably have a case file a mile long. I never attended one court hearing. So How did you find your voice, Nancy? I think eventually, like at the, at the, um, farm, I just, I basically just, when you told that lady, yeah, I mean, I just had like nervous breakdown after nervous breakdown. I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I looked, I looked like a loon. I looked insane, right? (laughs) As a kid, I looked totally insane, but nobody's going to listen to you if you don't like, they don't, you try the normal ways. You try to tell people, this isn't good. This isn't good. Yeah. crazy, get me out of here. It's like a mother, you know, may I situation. Well, and then they start to think, oh, well, she's being manipulative or she, oh my goodness. Yeah. And, but most kids don't want to leave safety. They don't, that's what people don't, that's what the system doesn't seem to understand. If my home was safe and my mom was good, I don't want to leave leave. that. Kids don't want to leave the nest if it's a good little nest and it's comfy and it's great. I mean, how many kids out there do you see that have a nice life that are like, I would like to leave? No, they don't. I mean, nobody, nobody does that, right? I mean, so you get mad like, at your parents, you argue, you act out, you lash out, but you don't want to leave. You don't want to like move. Let me right. go to this strange family. I mean, think right. about it. And if a kid yeah, says, it's absurd. Hey, I'd rather go live with strangers than stay here. Yeah. I mean, hello, let's get it. It's like they took common sense out of the equation. Such a solid point. Something that just yeah. wasn't common sense. Yeah. And so I think God all the time that I had these random happenings yeah. that coincidences that thank God got me to where I'm at now. Yeah. But it it was a struggle. You felt like you were just screaming and screaming and screaming. And nobody heard you. And it's interesting because mm-hmm. I had a conversation with a retired juvenile court judge and she felt the system was the same way. 
And so how it, come nobody can change it? Like, what's it going to take? It's all about, it's all about, you know, money. lobbyists, money, government. It's, yeah. it's ultimately changing government, right? So right. what's really interesting is each DSS system is its own little fiefdom. Yeah. They're, they say yeah. there's no oversight, although they're a state government agency. But then there's no oversight of the state to come in and say, are you doing correct with your cases? That's Gabriel Fernandez. What That's was the Gabriel oversight? Fernandez, there was yeah. no oversight, none, right? None. So there was no, the, the social worker had a supervisor who was also overworked, as you saw. Mm-hmm. And then the supervisor has like an agency head. Nobody oversees any of that though. Yeah. It's just this little like monopoly. But it's, you know what? I think that's at, that, that's at every systemic level of government programs. And I, I'll just cite uh, my experience with um, advocating for when I used to work with uh, kids on the autism spectrum, advocating for them within um, school meetings on their IEPs. Right. Right. And IEPs are nothing but a document in a folder. Right. Unless and if they're not you go, enforced, yeah. where do you go? That's right. If, if you say, hey, I'm being abused and nobody listens to you, yeah. who do you complain to? Nobody. 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 That's There's no the problem. Yeah. It's interesting that we have this in our nation. Yeah. It's a nation built on checks and balances. That's yeah. what you were in school. Yeah. Our government is built on checks and balances. On equality well, and not, fairness. No, no it's really. not, not the lower level government. Mm-mm. Maybe you have the judicial, the legislative, and yeah. you know all those executive branches. But it's interesting. You don't have that at any other level. Uh-uh. You only have that at the very top at the level. Top. That's right. And then it's interesting. There's no checks and balances on a DSS. Have they had checks and balances on that DSS system or any of them? You wouldn't have dead babies. Right. You wouldn't have dead That's Gabriel right. Fernandez's. Right. You wouldn't have that. If you had any auditor, outside auditor, and I'm not yeah. talking auditor as in how many cases, cases have you closed. I mean, they run off of how many cases they can close out. I mean, right. you just become a number, number, number. Yeah. It's not, it, it's interesting because you'll hear the same complaints from foster parents. Uh-huh. You'll hear the same complaints. You'll hear the same complaints from foster kids. If you got them all together, they're all saying the same thing. Yeah. That the system's broken, but nobody will listen to them. Right. They don't want to interview kids that have been in foster care and ask them what's wrong with the system. Yeah. They don't. You know, no. back when Tim Kaine was governor, his wife went around to this big, like, foster care, you know, whatever. Not one effing person on that door had been in foster care. She's there reading stories to kids. Nobody. Like, right. she didn't have anybody standing there that had been in foster care or that was an alumni or that had been a foster parent. Man, you don't you, want to hear you, that good for TV. You don't want to hear it. Because then we actually want to interview you for a book. Well, then we have to fix it. And how do we fix it? Well, we don't, uh, it's overwhelming. We don't want to go there. Right. It's crazy. Well, right. There, and whistleblowing only does so much because, again, who's going to listen? So let me ask you this. Did you age out of the system? Mm-hmm. And I then sure what did. did you do? So, well, that was fun. Probably, I, I don't know if UVA <laughs> was ever had one since. So I, went to, so I went to UVA as an undergrad, and uh, it was awkward to tell your sweet mates, you know, big UVA preppy school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, there's a strange man coming to visit today. I'm like, what? Yeah, so he's not my dad, and he's not related to me, but he has to come and meet me every quarter and check in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, do you try to tell like private school kids what a social worker is? Because right. that is entertaining and to watch their face. <laughs> yeah. And then of course the immediate thing is, Oh, are you stupid? Again, oh, I mean, you get it all the time. Right. I right. don't know why we've promoted this idea that foster kids are stupid, but it, it, it's very promoted. Wow. I mean, I'm at the same school you are, right? Yeah. You know? Right. So then, um, so yeah, the social worker would have to come see me every like quarter and sit down and, check off boxes, like, how are you doing? So then right before I aged out, so you aged out at 21, mm-hmm. I was still at EPA. I was um, my third year, maybe, no, I guess third, fourth year, and getting ready to graduate. And so I would have been the first person in Rockingham, Harrisonburg Social Services ever to go and graduate college. Wow. So they never had that, right? So he was like, I got, I got some stuff together for you as a as a congratulations gift. And yeah. it was like this big duffel bag. And I was like, Oh, thanks. And I'm, um, I'm not super touchy feely. And so I was like, Oh, thanks man. And then like, you know, bailed out on the meeting. I was like, see ya. 
So I go back to my dorm room and or my apartment at the time and I open up the bag and it's like all these like essentials, it's like tampons and pads and deodorant and toothpaste, <laughs> toothbrushes. And I just thought, do they think like I'm starving? Like, right, right. But, like at the same time, I got where they were coming from because they didn't know what to <laughs> like, do. Like, here's, we don't, here's my prison release bag. Right, like here's my prison release bag. Like, uh, you're gonna need a tampon or a pad. <laughs> and it was like these really big, like generic pads, like these right, giant right. old lady pads. I'm like, okay. I mean, I use them. Like, it's free, free, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, here's your essentials. Please, God, don't live off the system. Right, okay. right. Thank you very much for your service <laughs> and foster care. Yeah. And have a good life. Oh, my god. Appreciate goodness. it. Um, <laughs> it was so funny. So technically, I aged out of Rockingham Harrisonburg Social Services, and that's where I started. Okay. So my original social worker ended up being the director of that agency, and he was wow. probably one of the best men in the world. Um, but it's it's tough. You can get the best director, you can get the best social workers that have that have the best intentions, but the system is built wrong. Right. I mean, you get these social workers, you get the whistleblowers and Gabriel Fernandez, yeah. but there was no way to to like whistleblow or do anything. It's built right. against them. There's no yeah. way to unless we say, okay, we need to change the system. Mm-hmm. We're not going to change the system unless you sit down and make a, a real task. They made a task force, right? But it wasn't full of people that knew what the hell they were doing. They right. never experienced foster care. They had never lived in it. They'd never been foster parents. They didn't yeah. know what they were doing. Right. Like this idea that it's so I tell people it's so ironic in foster care. If you are beat by your husband as an adult, the first thing a judge does is enter an order saying that he can't have anything to do with you, can't touch you, can't contact you, right? You're removed out of foster care. The first thing they do is set up visitation with the parent. <laughs> First thing they do, right? So the parent could have beat you to death, right? Yeah. In a case where the mom clearly beat the kids and broken bones, like twelve different broken bones. First thing that happened when those kids were removed, set up visitation with the mother. She is a monster. Wow! But that's what we do. But reunification is the goal, right? But we expect yeah. a four-year-old or say six-year-old to do something that we don't expect a forty-year-old to do. Well, not even, not even like. Like there's no protection there. It's re-trauma right. of the every child. Week, every-, every week we got exposed to our mother and she sat there and just like cried over her head. I'm going to get you back. And it's like every week. Uh, and you're like, I know you're not doing shit to get us back. Right. Like, I mean, when's the last time you used? When, you know, where's your job? Right. I mean, you know, I was that cynical kid that it was like, let's be real lady. Come on. Yeah. Do you I have mean, a relationship with your biological mom? I do. I do. I do. And I don't like boundaries. That's yeah. the thing. That's the other thing. We don't teach foster kids, right? That's we right. Well, we don't teach anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries. And so the kids I try to work with, I say, you know what? It's okay if you have boundaries. Yeah. Kids that grow up in systems like this, they need to understand boundaries. They need to know it's okay for them to have boundaries. That's right. And you are not gifted with that. You, yeah. as a foster kid, Everybody invades your boundaries. Yeah. It's like when you have a baby, right? You birth in a baby and everybody's just looking at where right. it's at, right? Like, no, they care. Like, I'm just going to hold this play. Nothing cool. sacred. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, the sacred moment and everybody's just looking at the man. <laughs> cool. That's foster care. Like, you're, you're, you show them to foster care. And the first thing uh, you do is show you this counselor or this foster mom you've never met and said, tell us how you were raped. Right. Uh, oh, goodness. Just under a constant oh, microscope. And they're like, I don't know you. I don't know you. Were you molested? Just tell us all about it. They're like, uh, I don't know. You're going to tell me how you were molested? Right. Let's, let's change the tables. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, Come on now. Don't be dumb. Uh, so it's just like they don't. It's like, okay, let's just. Your boundaries are just completely invaded all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Tell us about the trauma. Tell us, tell us about the abuse. And so there's no model for it at all. Maybe you're not at that point. Maybe you don't want to talk about right. it, and that's okay. And then I'll have foster um, workers that will say, oh, the baby, he was crying. He cried for two days. So let him cry right. because you right. know what? Maybe that's what he needed. Yeah. Maybe crying is just normal. Right. Everybody cries. It's a yeah. relief. Right. Let them cry. Like you just took him from his family. Let him cry. That is normal. (laughs) My God, don't shove him into counseling because he's sitting in the closet crying. Of course he is. Right. There's another attorney. She became a foster mom. And she's like, last time she did a visit, she just like, she got into a box 
with the picture of the parents for days. I said, you know why she's doing that? She's like, no. I said, because the box is a closed in um, confined space. Yeah. Foster kids and kids that, well, not foster kids, the kids that experience trauma, they want to be yep. held in a closed space. Yeah. And, I said, and, and, and to her, she doesn't understand what the parents did wrong. So they're, they're sacred to her. Mm-hmm. I said, do you have a weighted blanket? She's like, no. I said, well, get a weighted blanket and try to get her in the bed, put the blanket on yep. top first. So it feels heavy and, and closed. Safe. And yeah. put the parents picture under the blanket with her. She will feel like they're, she's trying to get the closeness from parents that she can't otherwise get. Yeah. Sadness. It's so embrace it, embrace it for the child. Let the child embrace it. It's okay. She's not going to like, not like you because you embrace her parents. Embrace it. It's okay. But she just needs to learn boundaries. Like, And, you know, help her out with that. Like, it's okay. Like, you were always told it wasn't okay, subliminally. You were told yeah. it wasn't okay to love your parents. Mm. And that's not, that's. But yeah, we're going to put you back with them. Right. But we're going <laughs> to put you back. Now, we're going to talk about your mom like a dog and like right. a drug addict and everything else, but go on your way back to right. mom. Yeah. Like, come on now. Like, oh my so she's like, oh, thank you for that advice. I'm like, yeah, anytime. Like, you know, like, Kids with trauma, they'll sit in yeah. a closet. So always confined spaces. Because mm-hmm. again, it's overwhelming. This big world, this new house, this foster mother, it's overwhelming. Yeah. And my kids sometimes ask me, how was it? I said, well, it was awful. I mean, you, you arrive to a home with a with a mom and a dad you've never known, yeah. other siblings. You don't even know the layout of the house. I mean, and you pick up in a day. I mean, Trash bags. All your crap is moved in trash bags all the time. Grab what you can. The last time we moved, we got three trash bags each. Like, talk about indignities. Talk about treating you as less than. Here, mm-hmm. put your stuff, the only stuff that you have, the only stuff that you want to keep, well, in yeah. a garbage three, bag. Three trash bags. So make sure whatever you grab fits in three trash bags. It doesn't matter how much you've accumulated. Wow. So I'm pretty good at moving. I can tell you, I'm good at traveling. I'm good at it. I'm a good packer. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> yeah, girl, I'm good at it. I'll fit. I am Tetris at some packing. Don't worry. So, I mean, you do. You get, there's silver linings and everything, right? Yeah, that's I true. Care. I didn't need foster care. I loved it because it's how I got where I'm at. It's how I yeah. am. I embrace well, it. There's silver lines and everything. Every home I lived in, no matter how abusive or crap, yeah. there were great things that came out. My sister will tell you the same thing. There are great things that came out of it. There's nuggets that come out of everything. Yeah. You got to embrace it. Like, great, I'm 40. Hindsight, I can look back on all that now. Yeah. But, um, well, I that's, wish, you know. That's so beautiful. I love that, that there's nuggets. But I don't, I always say, it's not the experience that, shapes us it's our response to the experiences that shape absolutely us. yeah and so i think your response has just been i mean again just one of grit and perseverance and so you went on and you finished school obviously went to law school and you you've been practicing family law is that right yeah so i'm like a unicorn right in the, <laughs> in the professional world it's like right. many of us yeah I was an undergrad and this guy um, I knew back at my last home was like, you should be a lawyer. And I was like, come on now. What have you smoked today? Like, I can't (laughs) do that. You know, kids like me don't become lawyers. He's like, why not? I was like, okay. So then I um, started researching it to like, you know, early Google, right? Yeah. Looking it up. Like, what do I do? And I don't know. You have to take this thing called the LSAT and you have to have, you know, high GPA. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to change my life around to like get to law school. Wow. And I remember telling somebody, telling some family, oh, I'm going to go to law school. And they laughed. I mean, you did it all the time. Okay. So they laughed. They thought it was hilarious. So I was like, well, whatever, you know, I'm not going to get support there, but I'm going to go, you know? Yeah. So I go to law school and now, um, yeah. So I started out in Alexandria doing personal injury law. Then I came in, was a prosecutor in Warren for like three years. And then, you know, had kids and was married and was like, I need to actually make money, not don't work. <laughs> right, right. And so then I went out in private practice, and yeah, I've been in private practice ever since 2009, so about 11 years now. I'm doing fam- primarily family law, but yeah. anything that makes money. When you're in private practice, anything that makes money. Oh, oh, I hear that. I hear that. So let me ask you, what's the um, like? So you you have a, such a unique set of lenses, I think, to view 
all of the family stuff through. So you've been in the foster care side of it, but then you're also in the legal side of it and the judiciary part of it where you're seeing the systemic stuff and you've seen the personal stuff from the other side. So when you see those two, what are some of the insights that you have about how to, I don't know, how to marry those for a better outcome? Besides the rage, I guess. <laughs> okay, there you go. The rage, yeah. The rage. Um, you you see yourself in a lot of these kids, and I'm not going to say it's not hard. I feel like you know sometimes I feel like am I just re-traumatizing myself by doing the work? Mm. But it's like I I I used to talk at some judicial conferences, but it's like I say if you're a social worker or anybody that works with any of these kids. You don't know if you're the one person or you say the one thing that changes that kid's life. Yes. So there's one statement. There's one encouragement. Mm -hmm. You rarely ask as a foster kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? You ask your kids that all the time and school or whatever. But foster kids, they just kind of be like, they just like, well, we don't want to acknowledge that. Do you want to be a drug dealer? You know, we assume a lot. Yeah. But, um, but I remember some social workers. I remember some poignant times in my life, like you said, that were aha moments that were uh, corner turns, right? And that's one social worker. That's one statement that's made to a kid. That one statement of, I think you'd be a good lawyer, changed my life. Yeah. Uh So to me, I guess I see my role as that. If I'm that one person yeah. in that kid's life. If I'm the only person that said, I think you can do it. I think you'd be good at this. I think you should do that. If, if that's the thing that the kid claims to, then I've done my job. Yeah. And that's what I tell social workers. If you get one kid that you worked with that becomes a dentist or something, your entire career is successful because without that, the yeah. kid wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. So the more kids that we can make successful, the better the life is. But if you yeah. didn't do anything, none of the kids would have been successful. So you're going to get low outcomes. Sure. But any yeah. outcome is better than what the kid would have done. Right? right. Right. So some kids, yeah, you're right. They don't, they don't listen. They don't care. Um, they don't have the same set of gumption that you do. Yeah. Um, bull in the China shop. I don't care. I'm going to do right. it anyway. Kind <laughs> right. of thing. But there's some kids that do, and I see it in them. And yeah. I say, if whatever you need, I'm here. Um, I give them a number to text. I give them a number to call. Um, but it's you you can see it in some kids. Some kids, they really want to do well. They want to go places. So not every kid. Not every kid's going to do that. But And I do try to learn the system really well from that judicial side. Yeah. And use it to the kid's advantage and try to get the voice of the kid. I don't do a lot of guardian litem foster kids anymore. Okay. Um, I've somehow gotten out of that. but um, And I do the occasional cases. I got back on the list because um, the two judges that were appointed recently, I used to practice law with. So, okay. you know, it's a, Have a relationship. terrible thing that you do with the court. You help out because you don't get paid a lot. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing. They pay guardian litems that represent children, the lowest right. of any court appointed anything. Mm-hmm. You get paid more yeah. to represent a client that's charged with murder than you do a child that was beaten by their parent. Than an innocent that's, child who has its whole life ahead of them. Right. And that's ironic because the, and, but the expectation of your work is like mile high. Yeah. Right? Like they yeah. expect these certifications. You got to meet with the kid all the time, da, 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 but we're going to pay you the least amount. Yeah, yeah. And that to me tells me what what we emphasize in our society, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because you go to England and social workers get paid three times what they get paid here. Well, right? if you right, if you look at uh, residential care facilities, behavioral facilities, the direct care staff, the ones that are in constant communication, contact with these kids that, that could have the most powerful influence on them get paid right. nothing and are, are basically very ill-equipped with regard right. to training and preparation. Right. And they're probably the lowest trained, right? right. Like lowest trained, lowest they paid. expect them to have a master's and a doctorate, right. but we're going to pay you 20,000 a year. Really? <laughs> I mean, well done. Real. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Get real. Like <laughs> so we're, we're surprised by the outcome. We're surprised that there yeah. was a work. Of course. You're right. like we had somebody that started in the morning and left at lunchtime. Hello. Right. I mean, right. So it's like our society needs to change. Like, you know, 
used to do these songs, children are our future. We sure as hell don't live like that. Right. Like, so, look at our judiciary. It's not set up like children are our future. Like, Somebody should totally do a parody of that. Like, I believe the children are our future. And then like have all of these I mean, like, like shots of Gabriel Hernandez. Gabriel and all that he, right. Nobody thought he was our future. Like if you did, if, if, if we just turned it around yeah, yeah. that the children, I remember advocating, I'll never forget the case. I remember advocating for this kid of mine to get um, um, an evaluation by the Mary Ainsworth Clinic because they did evaluations on adoptability of kids. Mm-hmm. So they would evaluate the kid and then spit out to you what kind of family to look for that would be a good adoptive match. And this girl I knew was not going back to her mom because she was a cocaine addict and all that. At the same meeting, the same meeting, um, the mom was asking for money to go to a rehab. Now, this was a rehab she had already been in before. She had already failed after coming out. So mm-hmm. it was this rehab that they implant some kind of um, pill, you know, opiate blocker in your thigh area or something. So okay. it blocks the receptors. So if you do pills, it doesn't, then it doesn't have that effect. Right. Yeah. But I said in the meeting, I'm pointing out, isn't your drug of choice cocaine? She's like, yeah. I said, and it doesn't block cocaine, does it? She's like, no. So don't you know the end of result of that meeting was that I got denied money for my kid and the mom got the money for the rehab. Wow. Because that's how we do yeah, these cases. That's how we prioritize. Child centric. That's right. They are parent centric. Yeah. It's like you don't if if the limb if the whole damn tree is dead and yeah. the one piece of fruit is still great and viable, pick the damn fruit off the tree. Don't try to keep shoving it back on the tree. It right. is dead. <laughs> the bush is dead. Right. Like, take this off and let it grow. Uh, you know, like, yeah. and we don't do that though. We don't no, we do don't. that. Yeah. We're like, no, put the kids. And they say it's saving money. It's not. It's, it's short term right. saving money because short term, you put the kid back with the mom. Long right. term, Long-term. the kid is not educated. They have babies. And they're they're in and out of this. They're in the yeah. system. Yep. Right. We're all yeah. paying for it. So it's right. like at some point, somebody has to stop right. the train right. and stop us paying for it. Yeah. Like, well, and stop the reaction and go with the prevention. I the mean, cycle. Yeah. I expected me as a foster kid, I was expected to break the cycle. How? <laughs> you don't teach me how. You don't and you call me, me stupid. Yeah. You don't provide me services of how to change the cycle. <laughs> That's the ultimate progressive outcome for kids that are broken. The system is to change the cycle, break the cycle, right? Or I'll break the cycle, break the cycle. Well, then change the judiciary, change the laws so that the kids can break the cycle. That's right. It should be child centric. Yeah. Okay, man, Nancy, I had no idea this is what we were going to talk about the whole time. We do have no. Don't be sorry. I love it. Like, I want to interview you. I want to co-write a book with you because this is something that I'm very, very passionate about. I always say, like, these poor kids, we are going to hate them tomorrow, but we sure pretend to love them now, but we mm-hmm. don't. Not in the way and the system right. is designed. They end up adults that you hate. That's they right. Up, yeah, you're exactly right. right. And, yeah. and they were the kid that's like, oh, give them a coat, winner coat. Right. Do a coat drive. Right. Thank you for my back back program. That's great. I have a, I have an easy Mac thing, whatever, but set me up. Let me know. I'm smart. Give me that one positive influence in my life. Don't put me back with somebody that's going to traumatize me. Don't put me in a weekly visitation to re-traumatize me. I mean, Jiminy Christmas, who's making these decisions? I don't even know, but Let's um, shove in that backpack, some helpful tips and some phone numbers of people for these kids to call when they're in if yeah. they're in domestic violence or yes. the mom's new boyfriend is beating her. That's right. You know, let's let's yeah. put that, that in the backpack, you know, just stuff like that. <laughs> Your backpack and smoke it. No, that is like so brilliant. Yes. I mean, do the kids need food? Absolutely. Yes. I, I used to be that my mom, again, she was that woman that got, we do the Doc Smith baskets, right? Right. We got those as a kid in Harrisonburg. I, I remember showing up one day in the apartment wow. and outside the apartment was a box of food, government, big old block of government cheese and right. for months. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, grateful for programs like that. They're great. Absolutely. But if we change the system and made it and, and backpack programs, stuff like that, that is slowly changing the system to make it child centric. Absolutely. The backpacks, yeah. the food that's for the kids. It's for yeah. kids. It's for kids. And that's good. Yeah. Um, we just need to change the rest of it, like top down. You need to yeah. change that like 
top down. Like, when are these legislators going to listen and yeah. and stop being asinine and just use some common sense? Like, our yeah. laws are not common sense. Like, yeah. And I think too, I love what you said about breaking the cycle, and I think you've done that. And Nancy, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I want you to share, um, as if you're not accomplished enough, as if your perspective isn't accomplished in and of itself. And then of course, you know, going on to become an attorney and changing the things in your life that you knew that you needed to change to get there, to not be in that place that you didn't want to be in. But even beyond that, I mean, you're an inventor and you have invented a brilliant product and (laughs) I want to give you a few minutes to talk about it. I think right now it's so like on point, right? Yes. yes. Everybody's cleaning everything. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Clean it all. Clean it all. Right. It's so funny because it came about in 2005 when I first became a lawyer. So not only am I like, hey, God, I'm a lawyer. Like, oh, hallelujah, I made it, you know. But I was like, my the attorney I worked for did everything on computer. And so documents, everything was stored on a computer. And I was like, how do you get rid of these? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, if you delete them or put them in the trash can, they're not really deleted. And it's sensitive client information. It's got, like you guys, it's got social security number, right. all the HIPAA stuff, all their medical records, right. personal injury laws, so everything's on there. And I was like, well, you really need to get rid of it. I knew just enough about computers to know like you could scrub a hard drive, you can overwrite a hard drive. And I was like, somebody should really invent something that actually goes in and overwrites the hard drive to really like shred it, right? Like, yeah. like your office paper shredder, but for your computer. So yeah. then I did. So 2000, fast forward to 2019, 2020, I invented it. It's, it's real. Oh and um, there's this so little external cube called the Shred Cube. And you just plug it in your computer and you can either drag and drop a file or you can attach a bunch of files. You know, because okay. like, me as an attorney, I have folders of cases. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I was like, it's really important that I can just attach the whole folder, the whole case yeah. file. And then you click to shred it and it literally digitally shreds it from your computer and overwrites the hard drive. And, and it's never recoverable, not ever recoverable by anything, by any recovery wow. software, nothing. So it's the greatest insurance as an attorney that my old client files are gone. So yeah. I did it for me as an attorney, like, what, where do I, what do I do with all the old clients? And nobody talks about it. They're like, Oh, everybody go digital, get on the cloud. And everybody's like, how do we get rid of it? How do you, how do you like destroy the files? Well, old days, we just put it in the shredder and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah we destroyed all these right. old files. I mean, we have very sensitive data, like in abuse and neglect cases, you have pictures of kids, you have all their data. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is extremely sensitive. And I'm not the only one. Banks, mortgage companies, they got all your information. So to me, doctors, nurses, you yeah. know, Accountants. Accountants have all your tax information. Uh-huh. So it's like, how do you really, really get rid of it? And they're like, oh, we just take the hard drive out and destroy it. I was like, well, that's like impractical. Like, I can't. Yeah. I can't take a hand here. jackhammer to my. Right. Like, yeah. on. So, um, so it's completely external because they did have these downloadable, like, bullcrap programs. And I'm like, why am I going to download something from the internet? You're just going to take my files. Right. <laughs> I don't have any insurance that it's threaded. And then I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you access to my computer. Right. So this doesn't give anybody access to your computer. It's external. You do it yourself. Yeah. You plug it in and you tell it what to do. And then you unplug it and it's gone. Yeah. Like your mouth. Like it's gone. Like not even the program wow. is loaded on your computer. Nothing. It's so, so brilliant. Oh my goodness. Nancy. Because it's just it's a, your paper shredder, right? But it's like, here, I plugged in my paper shredder. But it's and right. And then I unplug it and it's unplugged. So it's wow. Great. Nobody can get in and steal anything. And that's, that's the so thing. brilliant. We have all this debt. So because we've never had it, we just keep storing stuff on our computer, right? That we don't need to store. Yeah. So now this, this gets rid of that. You can unstore it. You don't have to keep storing data, which at any time, somebody can break on my computer and, and get it. I'm not, I'm not a hacker. Yeah. I'm not ever going to beat a, a brilliant hacker <laughs> that will get my stuff. So, but I can shred it and make sure it's not there. Right. Make right. sure that any client information that's over five years old, it does yeah. not exist on my system. So you can't get in and steal it, even if you do get in. Yeah. So I can ensure that now. So it's great. It's great to watch it work. It's it's it was really cool to like clean up my old files. Well, like, it's, so, it's so functional. It's so relevant. It's so nice. Oh yeah. It's great. Yeah. 
And so, it doesn't exist in the world. Can you believe that? It does, does not now? exist in the entire world. Right. It does it now. It does now. It's so Thanks great. Yeah. Me. My kids love so, it. It's, yeah, it's so cool. Hey, let me ask you a question. How much does a shred cube cost and where can our listeners get it? So you can get it at shredcube.com and it's $159.99 with free shipping. Nice. Yeah, so it's really cool, and um, we're really that's cheaper than about. a professional shredder, like oh, a, a professional it's cheaper than an IT guy. So yeah. IT guys hate us, right? Because they're like, "Oh <laughs> no, this is a single file thing. You don't need this. This isn't going to clean your computer." Right. And I'm like, "Oh, beg to differ." Right. Like me, because I'm just putting you out of a job because you can. That's the thing too. As a lawyer, I don't want to hand that over to an outside person. No, I'm handing no. my files over. Yeah, so that's liability to me. So now I cut out the middleman. Well, when you cut out the middleman, guess who's mad at you? The middleman. Yeah, yeah. So we right, get right, a lot right. of pushback from that, and then you get a lot of pushback. Like, God forbid, a woman come up with this. Stop the presses. <laughs> that's Shut an up. entire. That's Shut an entire up. new podcast. No woman in the right. IT right. world. You better yeah. get on out. You get you got to use the other bathroom. You know, little honey. Yeah. Yeah. Little honey, yeah, a little sweetheart. When I tell people, yeah, bless your heart. When I tell people about, they're like, does it work? I don't know. Um, No, it doesn't. I like to make things that don't. Does your damn microwave work? Yes, it works. Yes, it works. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're right, sir. I didn't think to test it to see if it actually works. You're correct. I'm just such a loser woman. Thanks. Appreciate (laughs) you pointing that out. Oh my Appreciate God. it. But if it's like my partner, who's a man, Alex, tells somebody about it. They never ask him, does it work? They never no, ask. You no. should see their face when he's like, she came up with it. Their face is like, huh? Right. <laughs> their face okay, is like, Okay, so wait, 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 wait. You get like hit with a double, uh, double whammy. So as a foster child, you were told you were stupid. Not to mention the fact try that you're a woman. Yeah, try being right. in What I, I might be the only foster kid in the tech world, right? <laughs> Foster care, woman, <laughs> tech world. Like Foster alumni. The trifecta. Now yeah. inventing something in the tech world as a female. Get out. That's like, <laughs> that's what, like, a thousand unicorns, like, in, right. that, that's like, a, you came across a herd of unicorns. Like, oh my God, which one are we going to pick now? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, hey, just ride the wave. Ride the wave, man. Just ride I- I love it. You've already dropped so many truths on us. But one question that I ask every guest of the show before we sign off today is to leave the women listening with one truth that you want them to remember after the show ends today. Yes. So I thought about this. Uh, Move forward. That's my truth. Always move forward. I think as women, we are distracted by everything all the time that pulls us back, 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 or to look at the past or to reevaluate ourselves in the past in the past in the past and so then we as women don't look to move forward Mm -hmm. so I think what has been really productive in my life is to say okay I'm here now how can I move forward move forward forward and I think as women if we just continue to focus on moving forward we are much more productive we're much more successful much more happy because um yeah there's so many people look at social media it's like back 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 oh i know here's your five years ago or whatever and and we as women get sucked down into that yeah forward keep keep moving forward and you are the authority to say that you are the authority to say that because a lot of us i think we do we have intentions or maybe intentions isn't the right word because that means you're purposely deliberating yourself to do that, but we have um, wishes or hopes or desires to move forward, but yet we've got these cinder blocks, you know, or cement blocks attached to our ankles. Like we can't go anywhere. But if I had done that, if I had constantly looked back on the childhood and the trauma and stuff, I would have never been able to move forward. That's right. You've got to like compartmentalize. You got to say, okay, I'm going to put this aside right now, this trauma and this childhood, whatever. And I'm going to say, okay, how can I get to this bigger thing? You have to break it down into tiny parts, but each little tiny part you do is moving forward. Whether it's, okay, the first thing I need to do is unhook this. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I did and it helped me move a little bit forward today. It's you got to move forward. And I think as women, if we help each other, Mm. move forward. Where are you trying to get to go? All right. I'm going to be that person that picks the turtle up and moves them across the street. Right. Let me, pick, let moving. me cut the umbilical cord for you. Yeah. Just keep moving forward. I, I think. And um, 
I think that's, that's, so that's life. That's been my life. Keep moving forward because I can't, I can't look back. Doesn't Nancy have the best sense of humor? I just loved my conversation with her. It was real. It was eye-opening. I think uh, God has situated Nancy in a unique position to be quite an impactful presence in in uh, this matter as we're trying to change, change the system, change the course of what we believe, how we believe it, what we do, and how we do it. And uh, I can't wait to collaborate further with Nancy. Hey, listen, uh, go check out Shred Cube while you're at it. Give her a little like on Facebook. I've included the links in the show notes. And um, I'm just blessed to call Nancy my friend, and I really hope that you've enjoyed this. If you've had a big takeaway from this or if anything was triggered for you, would you please reach out, reach out to me, Facebook message me, DM me, email me at drsherryspeaks at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. It was full for sure and full of truth. That much I do know. Another shout out to my friend Derek Kretzer for the music that you're listening to in the background. I'm so appreciative of his collaboration and creation as a musician. All right, my friends, I will uh, see you right back here next week. And remember this, always speak truth over the lies so that you can thrive in any and every circumstance.